0: Welcome to the Winnow, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Robert Moss, the author of Barbecue, The History of an American Institution.
1: And I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at the Post and Career.
0: Today we're doing the dive bars and malls edition of the Winnow because we're talking about, well, perhaps somewhat da- endangered species, which is dining and drinking and dive bars and eating at food courts in the mall, and then sort of what life looks like on the other side of, of the mall. Hannah, um, I think this came about because the well, we were thinking about talking about it in the last episode because I'd driven past the venerable. Richards in Mount Pleasant just the, the day before, and it looked like it was all closed up, and, uh, but we wanted to verify, and yes, indeed, uh, the Post and Courier has verified it. Quite a uh, colorful story that Richards' Bar and Grill in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina is padlocked. And uh, is is no more,
1: or so the authorities say. Or so the authorities say. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell yeah,
0: yeah. There's nobody else. There are no cars in the parking lot every time I drive by it. You right, know, either afternoon <laughs> or at night. So it seems like it is closed up tight. Was it Richard Ruth? I believe is the Richard mm-hmm. behind Richards. Uh, not one to really. Follow the rules and conform uh, to to such things as you know laws against video poker machines, or you know smoking regulations, or or things of that of that nature. He's a
1: great interview on any topic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I guess sorry. just just to get the background, because if if you haven't been to Richards and and, and Probably a lot of people have not. I, it's, I don't want to necessarily say you've missed something because I think every town has a, a dive bar to uh, along the lines of Richards. Richards perhaps a little more colorful than most, but it's up in Mount Pleasant. But it's in this interesting area where it's this little donut hole where it's actually not in the city of Mount Pleasant, it, but so it's like in the county but not in the city. But it's surrounded by all the neighborhoods and everything that is in the city, and that sort of created some interesting loopholes uh, in various laws and things. And then it's you know it's just a place that. It's uh, got – or had dollar bills uh, stapled oh, to the wait, walls. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait,
1: there's way more and, to it than that. Yeah. I mean this is a place that – I mean it has a mixed clientele racially, yep. but they hang the Confederate flag just because no one wants them to. Yes. Yeah. They don't believe in it. are, I mean they are <laughs> completely uh, opposed to everything the Confederacy stands for. Uh but they just like to do anything they're told yeah, not to do. Yeah, if you do, tell me not to do it. I'll this was the last it. bar to, to use mini bottles yes. just because the law said they didn't have to, so they did.
0: Yes, yep. and no, everyone else went to yep. uh, big bottles. They were sticking to mini bottles because yep. that's what they always yep. did it. And as the bartender said, it's, it's really easy. You just untwist <laughs> it, you dump yep. it, and, yep. and and off you go. Yeah, and uh, they, they went back and forth for a while that they were exempt from the city's smoking ban because they were sort of in that little donut hole for the county. But then I think the county outlawed smoking in, in restaurants and bars. But Richards was, nope, that's never, never either. Yeah, just pretended not to hear the news, uh, went right along. I think the thing that got them in trouble was that they did get busted with video poker machines uh, in the back room, uh, and SLED raided them a, a second time and found uh, the machine still there. Now, Richard did claim that they were unplugged and turned against the wall. Uh, again, I'm not sure that Just really... This
1: is what you do with a poker machine. Yes.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure that really makes a difference. It certainly did make a difference to the state. It took a while. Uh, they sort of announced that the closure was pending, but bureaucracy moves slow, but finally there is a big red sticker, the uh the door is padlocked and, and Richard's is no more.
1: I'm telling you, don't count Richard out yet.
0: Yes, yeah, that's true. And that, it, I
1: mean again, <laughs> he's,
0: he's <so> at <laughs> he, he it least for now it is closed. Right, right. And I do I think you gave um, Richard some props uh, not for like the dive bar atmosphere of the mini bottles, but for the food, which might be right, a useful thing. Food
1: is great. Um and they are open as a good dive bar is during the day. So they have to you know, people are coming in uh lunchtime, you know, all all hours. So they serve good home country cooking or did. Um, And so the reason this came up is a reader had asked me for a dive bar with good food and Richard's was my first thought. Um, But in researching the answer to the question, I needed to make sure I needed to find out what a dive bar was. Um, and it turns out that this is a highly uh, contentious topic. So I think Richards qualifies on the strength of the flag and the bottles alone, but uh, and, as well and as the, the, the legal poker de- in And the decor.
0: It was not uh, fancy, you right. might say. It was low building, dark inside, very right. dark inside. And-
1: But apparently, this has become even more of interest to dive bar aficionados of late because it has become somewhat trendy to be a dive bar, which was not the case maybe 10, 15 years ago. And so now you have to weed out the imposters from the. Well, this always goes
0: back to our segment a while back on country cooking. We did talk about restaurants. So, what what are the sort of. Did you cover any. Well, is the I thumb to, so, of what is and is not a dive bar? I,
1: I I read up. I read up on a lot of them. I do not consider myself an expert in this because I actually am not crazy about dive bars. <laughs> it's not really my thing. Uh, I I I you know it, because. I like a well mixed drink is really what it comes down to. <laughs> so I don't need to be in a really fancy place. And I think we've talked about before, I have great affection for the hotel bar. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, so it's not that I need to be. You a don't one, need like a, a mustachio
0: uh, suspender and, wearing craft cocktail bartender and, and, oh, no, and no, all that.
1: Not at all. Not at all. But the dive bar, I mean, it's, I guess it's nice. You can play scratch offs while you drink your, you know, Miller Lite or whatever. I, to me, that's not. Um, that's not an ideal evening out.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think um, there there's been sort of that reverse chic lately of drinking uh, like just Miller beer or, or PBR. Sort of was cool and then became almost uncool because it became so cool. So there's been sort of that that in and out um, type of thing. But yeah, I, th- I would guess most people would say dive bars has to have domestic beer, preferably in you know tall boy cans or or those little pony bottles. I'm not sure why, but unusual sized uh, containers of beer or maybe like pitchers of. Just really cheap draft beer. Right. Um, it also we'll has over. to have,
1: um I guess, an ornery bartender ornery bartender. You do things the way he wants rather than the way yep. you want. That's
0: and from liquor, it's just pretty much your, you know, you're not going to have a fine lineup of, no. of expensive scotches or anything like that. It's going to be your basic well <laughs> drinks, you know, with uh maybe, I, except at Richards, just a quick speed pour bottle. But at Richards, of course, it'd be the mini bottles. And mm-hmm. probably, I think Richards with lots and lots of vodka, right? Not a... Not That's a, right. They not don't... a lot of uh, scotch and, and fine sipping spirits. Being sold it's at, very at hard to find
1: a single malt in a mini bottle
0: <laughs> these right. days. <laughs>
1: uh, right. I think also the other um, conditions for a dive bar, the bathroom has to be filthy. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple other ones. I, it generally, it, it, the whole place is Yeah, filthy. and the music,
0: ha, you know, it's got to be music. a certain kind. Of, like country music's good or old rock, you know, classic rock or just, you know, right. Not nothing new and contemporary and, and I mean, and I, I, I don't
1: know. You know, when I used to work in Seattle with a guy, Mike Seely who actually literally wrote the book about dive bars <laughs> of Seattle. So there, I understand people adore dive bars. And I will say... Dive bars in Seattle are somewhat special. I think anytime you get sailors into the picture, like a maritime (laughs) culture, that that's a pretty good dive. And you know, I don't mind a dive bar if I'm watching a, a sports event. I find they're a great place. You know, if you're everyone's kind of rooting for the team, but. Otherwise, you know, I like to go to bars to make conversation. A lot of times in a dive bar, the guy next to you is slumped over, yeah. you know. And it's like,
0: <laughs> the conversations I mean, tend to be, yes, odd at at, at best. Yeah, you know, so, It's not loud or, right. or disturbing. You know.
1: Also, I mean, honestly, for women, it isn't always the safest yeah, space. Some fair. dive bars are not just dive bars. They're also dangerous bars, you know. And I, 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 you know, I, I'll go pretty much anywhere, but to go into a room of like, Big angry men who are drinking. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'd rather go somewhere else. Yeah, I
0: feel like the dive bar, that kind of thing. I have to admit, you know, R- Richards, I've only been a handful of times. So mm-hmm. it's not, and, and usually it's like those bars. I probably shouldn't have gone. You know, right. it was late at night. It was like, let's stop at Richards. You know, it's never that I, I should have just gone on home. I would have, you know, saved myself probably $17 and a yeah. headache next day because it wasn't expensive. But uh, nothing really good ever happens in dive bars where you say later, Boy, that was such a good idea to go there last night.
1: Right, you save some money. I you guess do save some money. Thing. It's yes. a little bit, little bit cheaper. That, that and I'm, I'm sure there are people listening who just feel like my friend Mike Seely does that dive bars are just, you know, one of the greatest humanity's greatest achievements, <laughs> and there's just really we should all cherish them. Um, I, I'm just, I'm not there yet. I so, just, what about
0: the faux dive bar? What's the difference between that and a true dive bar?
1: That's a great question. I mean, I guess these are places where they're putting on the ordinary shtick, yeah. where they don't really, they're not really mad at you. They just <laughs>
0: yeah. act like they If you are truly angry. Yeah. <laughs> You'll feel it You're your just soul. Yeah. If you're, if, yeah. You're, if you're just acting rude. Right.
1: If the place is actually legal on all fronts, maybe that's yes. not really a dive bar. I don't know. It's interesting because after I wrote about how much I like the food at Richard's, different suggestions came in, one of which on Facebook, a woman said, well, I can't believe you didn't mention tattooed moose. Tattooed Moose. I don't I, think of that as a dive I, that's bar. That's exactly what I, yeah. I think of it as a sandwich. Yeah, shop they, I mean, they got
0: beer and stuff. I guess, I, is there, I guess there's a bar in there, there, but it's a very small one. Is it, I suppose
1: a bar in there? But uh, it was yeah. interesting to me that that. at the table. And I, I don't hold this uh, for for folks who aren't familiar with Tattooed Moose. Again, I think of it as a sandwich place. They've for me the when I said disqualified it above all is they've opened a second location, oh, yeah, which a dive bar yeah, would no, never do. No. Um, but it, it was I was curious. What about that venue made her think dive bar?
0: I think it's. Of divey, in is it dark? It's it's dark, it's got it's sort of small, it's not fancy, Mm -hmm. so it it is sort of like a low key kind of place. Yeah, and the sandwiches are huge, right? You know, (laughs) hearty, big, tasty sandwiches, but yeah, so I think it has a little bit of a some of the divey ethic to it, which is we're not spending a lot of money on fancy you know, to decor and polishing the floors and all that kind of stuff. But right. but it's still, I mean, it's it's clean. It's no, by no right. means a dirty place. And
1: <laughs> then another suggestion came in, sort of a place that's quite the opposite, which just down the street here, Palace Hotel, which is the food's actually very good. They actually do have a chef and they try and do a good job with food, but it's really loud and it's small and it's, I, I don't know, I, I couldn't decide if I think that's a dive bar or not. It was not, opened by, um, in partnership with the Southern Charm cast yes. member. So <laughs> I think that may also And be it's not me. a hotel. And it's not a hotel. No, so, right. It's not not my kind of hotel bar. Yes. It's a hotel but it's a, in name. It's a fun but, place. Yeah.
0: That seems a little too, uh, probably too. New and slick. Well, that's you know. why
1: I wonder if there's a certain vintage that's required.
0: Yeah, Richard's actually wasn't all that old. Um it
1: wasn't all that new. Was it, it from the 80s? Yeah, it
0: was from the 80s. Yeah. So when I say all that old, as soon as I say that, well, that's just because I'm old. But, <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem all that old to me. It hasn't been around since the 40s by, by no. any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, it, it took a lot of Wear and tear since the 80s, right? And,
1: I mean, and that's a good point when we talk about dive bars in Seattle. Obviously, liquor laws here are such that yep. we don't have a lot of these dive bars from the 40s, um, because you wouldn't.
0: Yeah, they would, yeah. they haven't been that many bars, right. There right. Right, well, right? were bars, but they were just different. They, they, yeah. the kind of bars they had did would not really make it make it today,
1: right? Mostly across the South, liquor by the drink wasn't really a yeah. thing, you know, prior to the 70s. So. Yeah, so
0: yeah, when I was, and that's why I was ultimately looking at dive bars. It's, I think it's easy to romanticize, but it's a kind of thing that you know, really, do you go there that all? I don't. Obviously, not that many many people do. We have more of them around. It's sort of a there's there's the the cast of regulars, and then there's the sort of the folks who want to go there because because it is so divey. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a uh, sort of fun night out or something. But yeah, by and large, it's not going to be your favorite. My favorite bar uh, for sure. I think it's the kind of thing that sounds better in your memory or mm-hmm. seems better in memory than when you're actually sitting there thinking. Yeah, I think again why did I actually I, come here. Again?
1: I'm yeah. totally in the dive bar if there's an activity. If you're going to yeah. play pool, if you're gonna go watch it. Yeah, but it's just
0: something going on. Yeah. But if you're just and, sitting there
1: as I said with Richard, some of them have great food. There's actually there's a billiards hall in Seattle um that's it's sort of billiards. It's sort of a dive bar. Um <laughs> But the pho is amazing. Well, you know, so you can find That's something some these... you will
0: not find in a South Carolina. No. <laughs> <dive bar. laughs>
1: no. So the food could be great. And often you do find these dive bars. And I don't maybe dive bar in this sense is somewhat pejorative. I mean, I was gonna say tucked in some of these international communities. I don't know if it's dive so much as there's only so much money they were able yeah. to plow into their business. Um so and and food's great. So I I definitely recommend it from a culinary standpoint.
0: Do either of you know about this thing where like bars here have technically like a, a food item on the menu even if they don't want to serve it.
1: You have to. It's by yeah. The like
0: so, I've seen like at the upper deck they used to have like a hundred dollar hot dog.
1: Yeah. So what this is, there's a – the law is – and I don't know exactly what it is here. I'm more familiar with North Carolina in this case because I used to work in bars. But there has to be a certain ratio of food to beverage sales. Okay. And so – and there is a belief, I think, that you could put that on the menu. I think that's wrong. I think okay. just yeah. saying that like – That seems
0: like that, that would be a really easy dodge to uh, yeah. just put a $50,000 exactly. slice of pizza on the menu and never right. –
1: but so that's – that. The, at the root of that is the idea that you have to have at least as much food I don't know sales what it is. There's some sales.
0: ratio of yeah. food sales to alcohol okay. sales that you're yep. supposed to have to, to get your license and to, yep. ha- to have a Sunday license in particular. And right. And, so, and
1: that's another one of the laws that makes dive bars difficult here is a lot of dive bars don't want to invest in a no. full – food program yeah.
0: so yeah that's the difference between South Carolina and yeah a, a lot of southern states are that way but sure. a lot of northern northern states are not right a lot, a lot, exactly you'll have p- more pure bars it's just a just a bar yep like the Cronkleton in, in Chapel Hill North Carolina mm-hmm. is nominally a private club you have to pay a five dollar membership because they didn't want to have, have to put in a kitchen and deal with all that right. all that mess. So you'll see a lot of that yeah so dive bars will sell food here often good food um but yeah, it's probably better to go at two o'clock in the afternoon. Than yeah. at 2 a.m. <laughs> that's, that's what
1: I did. <laughs> go in there for lunch, enjoy the food.
0: Yep. Well, speaking of uh, the the uh, death of things or the closing of things, I, about the same time that Richards uh, was was padlocked, Sears uh, Sears and Roebuck de- declared uh, bankruptcy. Um, and not that I was that created a great <laughs> gnashing of teeth for me. I can't remember the last time I've, I went to a Sears, but a lot of people then sort of. It, evoked it, nostalgic. Lots of stories about it was the original everything store and actually my uh, <laughs> my 12-year-old uh, who had never heard of such a thing, my wife had mentioned the Sears and Roebuck catalog. Well, she happens to have a couple from oh, like wow. the 40s because um, we, we collect old books and things. And she broke out these Sears and catalogs on the 1940s and we went through them and all that. I think there was another one like the dive bar where people were sort of romanticizing about, oh, Sears, you know, the wish book and all, all that kind of stuff. But of course, no one is very few people have darkened the doors of a Sears in quite a while. And part of that is uh, I, you know, it's the autopsies have pointed at Sears management, but part of it is that they were anchor stores for malls, and malls in general are just getting hammered. Um, by, you know, online commerce and and, and everything else. Oh, right, but it
1: sounds like the malls feel like they're going to do pretty well now that they can get Sears out of there. <laughs> yeah. So all of them, apparently a retail analyst was saying that they're going to take that space and turn them into like fancy food courts. They're all bringing in restaurants.
0: Oh, is I didn't see that piece mm-hmm. of it. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. that's the idea. Because that's, that's an interesting interesting. Dose of optimism because the food courts have been steadily declining along with the malls. Because if you're not going to the mall, the food court obviously is going to have less traffic. So I think it's an interesting idea that now you have fewer stores to bring people there. So the food themselves are is is going to bring people. People are coming
1: for the restaurants. Hmm.
0: That is an interesting interesting take. I I wouldn't stake my money on that personally, but it sounds like some people will. yeah, I was going as I was going back through thinking through the malls, I started thinking through some of these there's all these like restaurants that I really associate almost exclusively with the mall. Um and w- one of which would, was is uh, Orange Julius, for sure. which and and I think part of this may depend upon your age, but that's the only place I ever even had heard of an Orange Julius um many moons ago and uh Chick-fil-A was one that I used to associate very heavily with mm-hmm. malls. In fact, that that's how they got started. I mean, the, the founder had a his, the dwarf house or the dwarf grill outside of Atlanta, which is his first restaurant. But then he opened uh, 1967. He opened his a restaurant in a mall, you know, the Greenbrier Mall in Atlanta. And that was the first, and then they just took off through malls. Wasn't, I mean, it looked it up. It wasn't until '86 that they opened their first freestanding Chick Fil A, and I still remember driving around somewhere and seeing a Chick Fil A. Like restaurant on a street side. So, what it's is that shocking. doing there? Yep. It's like seeing Orange Julius right. on, a, on a street corner. Because Orange
1: Julius know, never left the mall, right?
0: I, not that I'm aware of. I, I've tried to dig in a little Missed bit.
1: Missed opportunity. Yeah, I
0: know. Well, actually, what has happened to Orange mm-hmm. Julius is interesting. Um, it was bought in 1987 mm-hmm. by Dairy Queen, yep. which eventually meant that Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's big conglomerate, bought them up. But apparently, Dairy Queen didn't do much with them after buying them. So, they sort of stuck around as a mall store. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2012, the Dairy Queen has out added Orange Julius into the Dairy Queen restaurant. So oh, now okay. you can get if that old Orange Julius at over 800 Dairy Queens. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I haven't been in the Dairy Queen in quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, associate that with like... Gosh, that that seems even After older than malls. Game. Yeah, <laughs> a long time ago. But uh, DQ is there, mm-hmm. so it's become one of those combo brands like the Taco Bell, KFC that we had talked about uh, many episodes ago. Um, so Orange Julius has survived at least as a brand. I don't I have no idea how many stores they still have in the in the mall. I can't oh, remember the last I time I seen, seen them.
1: You know, actually, I do remember seeing. I was like, and I was, you know, it's like a, a, a treasure in the wilderness. Yeah. I came across. <laughs> I was like, I gotta get one. Uh, it did was Did you ago. get one? I got one. Of course, I did. How was yeah. it?
0: I remember. You know, I just remember this weird with taste. With what you remember? Yeah. Like
1: I, I, it was close, but it wasn't quite the way I remember that.
0: Yeah, the like orange juice is uh, apparently it's, it's fresh, fresh squeezed orange juice. So mm-hmm. they actually would squeeze the oranges right there in the store, but then put in like just a crap ton of simple syrup, so sugar mm-hmm. and some powdered milk or something like that. So it's like a, right, it's
1: frothy. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. You make
0: it frothy. So yep. it's a weird, I can taste Milky it now. shake. Orangey kind of kind of thing,
1: right, 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 right. And it's got, I mean, so, oh, so there wasn't any. There's no ice cream component. There's it's no...
0: like some kind of milk, just the milk. Um, okay. Yeah, so it's but not actual right. ice cream, but that's it's like right. some kind of like powdered milk or something like that that gets all frothed into it. Right. Apparently, um, it, there actually was a Julius behind orange Julius. It, it goes way back to the 20s. It was a mm-hmm. orange juice stand in, in Southern California yep. uh, with the founder is uh, Julius somebody, yep. Julius Freed actually, mm-hmm. um, and then he was selling this. Uh, the orange juice, but then somehow came up with this concoction mm-hmm. to sort of move a little more orange juice, and which is obviously pouring sugar in things yes. and things to make it like a milkshake. We'll do it. Yeah, but that's a that's a, a weird kind of thing. Um, Sabaro so is another one, the pizza place. That that's an interesting one. What they've tried to do to, to live with the mall. Mm-hmm. They they um. In 2011, they were like the, the one of the largest pizza chains in the country. They mm-hmm. had like 1,700 locations and $1. $1.6 billion in sales. And then they declared bankruptcy right after that, and like two or three more times reorganized. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in 2015, they were down to like 800 locations, most of them still in malls. And that's when they launched, well, actually all of them, that's, they launched their first standalone restaurant in right. 2015. So they were really late to get into the game. Chick-fil-A, of course, did a lot earlier. They they got out of the mall in the 80s, mm-hmm. and then sort of, I, I guess they're still in a few malls here and there, but they've turned their back on that, but but not so far. I thought one of the interesting things was Cinnabon, because mm-hmm. I looked in, into that that one. And the the um, CEO <laughs> was actually pretty forthcoming. He sent an interview that we're an impulse brand. We work, work, work where the people are. So basically he's saying that Cinnabon – Right. Does if, it work out that, that if people don't go seek out a Cinnabon? It's the kind of thing where if you're there and you're passing by it, mm-hmm. ooh, that sounds good. Maybe I'll get one. Or Is it smells
1: good. T- smells good. It
0: smells good. It smells good.
1: Yeah. Right? And so it's funny because one of the things I've been thinking about recently about with malls, I was talking to someone. I don't know if you remember this. I only saw it in the mall around that same time <laughs> in the 80s. you remember when they used to have those uh, a little aroma players? Did you ever see one of those Romo. It had a little disc, and you put it into the machine. And
0: oh, all... I think I <laughs> yeah.
1: So it was around that these. around that same time. You I... walk
0: about down the mall by the little stand, mm-hmm. and they'd be.
1: Yeah, they would sell these like in the departments. Oh, they're actually okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated with that. Uh, uh, I've I've looked it up. It does look like it had a good run in 83, 84. <laughs> and then people, uh, it lost its charm. Apparently, not only it lost its charm, it lost its scent. Each of these discs you can only play so many times. Again, there's no sound. It's just sort of a mist of, you know, <laughs> it smells like forest or it smells like. I, I guess it's not so different from like a Glade plug in thing, yeah. honestly, but. Anyway, so now I'm off topic. But well, no, you could, but it's the same like, idea. You same this, same uh, idea. Because you could,
0: definitely, you smell that Cinnabon. Right. And so
1: because, I know them
0: more now from airports because they've oh, managed sure. to move to another place where you have a captive yeah. walk by clientele. Which but is, but I airports. think
1: malls tend to be very, you know, they're supposed to be sterile environments by yeah. design. So I think any introduction of aroma can that's be true. very seductive. It's, and I'm sure that's why I remember that aroma player. I was. also
0: remember the pretzel places. Pretzel those, places. you know, those would you could smell those like.
1: Two, two stores up yeah
0: the cookies yes. the giant cookie stores well yeah when i can't remember the last time i ever thought to myself sitting at home i want to go buy a giant cookie <laughs> how many times we're in the mall and you would go get and they carve one up for you yeah. Or whatever. yeah those those are those kind of places are, are no which just reminds
1: are, me you owe me some cheetos <laughs> oh i do owe you some cheetos that's <laughs> yeah. right i totally meant to get yeah. bring a
0: giant bag of uh well oh, the best laid plans all right You'll get your Cheetos eventually.
1: Now I'm feeling I should be. Maybe I'll upgrade to a giant cookie. Is what okay, I was going to say? Okay, I could, well, I'll trade in my invisible. Is there Cheetos.
0: a mall somewhere nearby? Where I can <laughs> <get a giant laughs>
1: no cookie. idea.
0: Actually, those kind of things now, and you can get in most of your supermarket bakeries. So that well, which oh, didn't the bakery, design. the bakery cookie is nowhere near as good as the no. mall. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so I can't go to Publix and get no, a no. cookie. Okay, no. I'll have to go to the mall and do it. Yeah. yeah, I just thought it was interesting. What's you know, Cinnabon is you know, if you don't have that captive or semi captive walk by traffic so they're trying to do kiosks in on college campuses and music parks um, and then they're doing all kinds of licensing you can get a Keurig k cup with your cinnamon flavor mm-hmm. and you may uh, you can buy I think Pillsbury now sells them frozen in the in the, uh, in, the in the grocery store mm-hmm. but you can also get the pinnacle Cinnabon flavored vodka which is oh god yeah. it's, horrible. it's just got to be a, a low point for the brand and uh, so they're, they're they're trying they're they're going all over but it uh, sounds like there's there's they're struggles there with life away from the oh. away from the food court. You so I'm I'm just fascinated by this notion that now that Sears is gone you might and all these food court brands are having trouble maybe if you bring in a different type of restaurant that isn't you know just depending on aroma to draw you in you'll uh you'll, you'll re- revive them all but I don't know we'll see I don't we'll know see there are all sorts them. of
1: different restaurants <laughs> out there did you read about this new restaurant in New York where you catch your own fish
0: no I did not <laughs> <laughs>
1: sounds like a setup. Um, so what
0: yeah what's the um, so what's I the just hook?
1: come over from Japan, I think, and we'll check out from Japan I think it's Japan. Um, anyways, so it's just come over from Japan. The idea is I think you get like rotten and reel, and there's a stream <laughs> running through how they could afford the real estate in Manhattan, I have no idea. But there's like a stream running through the restaurant, and the deal is uh there's no catch-and-release. You catch it, you, you catch eat it, it. You or at least you pay for it. Um you carry this, you carry your carcass down to some sort of cook, and he cooks it for you. Seems like great fun. <laughs> I mean,
0: that sounds like actually that's is how the fish camps in yeah, the Carolinas right. got started. That's right. That's literally, right. Literally, people would go fishing on the river at the weekends, it's and, so and somebody would set up like a little camp with like all the oil and everything. Exactly. And you took the fish over to them that you caught.
1: You know, they, ha- they I had would not fry seen up this you. ever before. And then last year, I was at a, um, a football game for the uh, University of Miami, and it's really cool. They have this whole tailgate area outside of their stadium with stations just like that. They've set they have it set up so that you can buy like anything you forgot. It makes so much <laughs> sense. Like, they it, it, it's it's really neat. I'd never seen these official like tailgate suppliers uh, just, you know, stationed throughout Tailgate lands.
0: They have either but I don't know.
1: I, the fish camp thing. I was at this great fish camp uh, near Charlotte not long ago, but it's so sad now because all around the water it says like do not fish. Do not fish <laughs>
0: Fisher. Yeah, we'll bring in we'll we'll bring in the s- yeah. snow crab legs from, yeah. from Alaska and the, and the frozen fish. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the, the future of, of restaurants, so I, I'm a little skeptical. Catch your is going to be the the trend of the future. I, I, but we'll say will we'll say
1: Right, if they bring it here, I will give it a great review. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you sent me right a, a
0: couple of things, a, a piece like it was looking at some trends, and one of them caught caught my eye, which was. Uh, it, because you're hearing about this all over the place, the the rise of the bots of the machines, and the prediction that, uh, well, with right, with minimum well, wages in general getting, having upward raised wage pressure, and now the push on for higher minimum wages, Amazon putting in a uh, fifteen dollar minimum wage, it's speculation would be more and more wage pressure. Um, and, and more and more restaurants turning to machines, uh, to automate the, the cooking of food, the prep preparing of food. There's, um, these pictures of like pizza making robots that can, you know, bring pizza in and out of the oven and sprinkle, uh, toppings on top of it. I think you can, you came across an interesting one. Uh, what's the, the burger the creator, mach- the the creator, <laughs> yeah.
1: Or <laughs> just creator in San Francisco. Creator, where, no thee. I think no, the, um, so yeah, I think as I understand it I haven't been there, but it you sort of watch it, you select your meat, it molds your meat into a patty, it cooks the patty and then presents a burger made before your very eyes. Made
0: before your very eyes. Yeah. And is, is is it more economical to use the creator than some guy flipping burgers on a uh, grill?
1: I mean, since they only have one store, I yeah, think it's not. I mean, I, think, I don't think anything's really more economical. It's <laughs> like a self-driving car, right? It's still one.
0: it's still a uh Yeah. Uh, I don't know it's more
1: economical. I think it, um, you know, it's super hygienic. It's like the automats of old. You know, <laughs> yes. there's no no person <laughs> involved, so it seems. Uh,
0: and, and that's you mentioned, on man. That's part of the reason I'm, I'm immediately skeptical. There's there's lots of angst these days about the outside the food world, but just the, the economy in general that bots and machines are going to put all these people out of work and. Uh, yeah, you I know, think they probably in will. In the knowledge economy. Well, you, I, I work on that side <laughs> of things, <laughs> trying to automate things with computers, and yeah. it's really hard to to do it and, and do it well. Right. And simple simple things, like, you know, as I think a lot of the self-driving car guys are starting to see, things that humans do very easily, it's very hard to get a machine to do, and vice versa. But for sure. You know, I mean, the, we're, not, we're not going to
1: get rid of people entirely. Right. But I think the problem is, I mean, everyone's, like, waiting for this, like crew of robots which they're not going to look like <laughs> robots that's not what we're talking about but the idea yeah so like, it's not could be
0: the jetsons but yeah, like the, curious, jetsons, or but and the idea
1: that automation will creep yeah. in yeah absolutely That's going to happen
0: I just think uh, it, there will be automation for sure and yeah. there has been consistently for throughout sure. the, the food the food world but will it re- totally replace people it just seems like there's been a theme like the automat is one Of them, Mm -hmm. of this restaurant of the future where, in this case, it had nothing to do with the cooking of the food, but it was getting rid of the waitresses and waiters who would come to the table. You just have the little door. You you get your your food out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, The drive-in restaurants went through an interesting um, period in the 50s and 60s when the same thing happened. Their costs were going up, up, and up. For things like having car hops <laughs> skating around right. parking lots. Not the most efficient <laughs> just the way. Insurance yeah. alone. <laughs> yeah, <you're> alone. Like. <laughs> but they also became teen hangouts, and right. you had like all these, um, you know, it, it, everything was just very inefficient, and they weren't making money. But you had all one, one way they tried to solve it was with all this automation. And so they, they, If you go read these, there's these great books about drive-ins in the 50s and 60s that they would install, like these conveyor belt systems that would bring the tray out to your car. Mm -hmm. And uh, and none of that stuff worked. What ended up happening was they just got rid of the drive-in and went to the more the McDonald's drive-through or the walk-up window and and all that kind of thing. Uh, I just, I'm a little skeptical that we're going to, you know, in 20, 30 years from now, you're going to walk into a restaurant that maybe is all machines with one person. Sitting there monitoring the machine or whatever, you know. That, that, yes, we have cash registers now, so you don't necessarily need to have somebody counting money. But I, things are, are, are you know, I, doing the math. I mean, but not, are I,
1: going back, I'm not that skeptical. I mean, going back to Sears, <laughs> you know, when they talked about all of these eulogies for Sears, yep. you heard it, they were saying one thing that made Sears revolutionary is you could pick out your own goods and and get them rather than the shopkeeper having to get them off the shelf for you. I mean, and that was considered. How how could this be? How could you <laughs> shop without the help of your merchant. Um, And it's great that you could, because as they said in all these Sears eulogies, of course, it allowed for more social justice, and the shopkeeper didn't have to judge you because of your race, gender, or creed. Awesome. Um, But now, you know, we all shop on Amazon on our phones. That would have been unthinkable when you needed... Mr. Olson to pick up your sack of flour.
0: Well, you could order it from the the catalog. Well, which right. So that's what i So
1: Sears started yep. that transition, and now nobody nobody gets sad when they order off their phone from Amazon something delivered by a drone. Yeah. Nobody misses. No one gets the, sad. when You go to the
0: supermarket and you actually go down the aisle and put things in your own cart, as opposed Correct. to having somebody, right. somebody scoop pickles out of a barrel for you. You know
1: exactly. So I I think we're gonna see a lot less people in restaurants. Well, I don't know. I think it, I also I, think I, we're gonna th- see a lot less restaurants, but that's another. Yeah, that's a, that's a
0: that's a different <laughs> a different topic altogether. Though I think, um, yeah, some recent recent news. It looks like the cost of restaurant food is going up at like a considerably higher rate, like double or triple the rate of food prepared at home. So just from price pressure alone, yeah. you can see restaurants are, are having a, a tough time of it. I I think it will not be. Well, I don't know. but we always have this tendency to. We, we, we have a difficult time imagining what the future will look like. Like 20 years ago, would you imagined that you would order things on your phone? Right. No, because you wouldn't imagine being able to... <laughs> right. You only need your desktop you, phone. How would <laughs> I, I do what that? You do on this. Um, yeah. In Amazon, we, we wouldn't envision that, that as the model. We tend to sure. envision robots and flying cars and, and right. flying delivery vehicles and, and things like that, where it turns out to be a little more prosaic. So, yeah, definitely there will be changes in the restaurant. I just can't envision where the... Hamburger making robot, the pizza making robot, just to me strikes me as not, not so much the wave of the future. It's something we can't quite imagine, because yeah, you're right. The econ- economics will squeeze out that, that overhead. Uh, and and but, lead us up in
1: but I still think Richards will rise again. You think? Well, I do. I really think that's that's here to stay. The padlocks <laughs> may be on the door now, but or I mean think, like
0: a double nothing on the uh, I, Cheetos for yeah, for right, right. Role. No,
1: I think that the dive bar is eternal. Um, all of these other things may come and go, but that's that's what <laughs> that's what gives me faith that
0: Richards will be back. Richards will be back. Well, yep. you heard it here first. Okay.
1: And that is all for this edition of The Winnow. We recorded today's episode in the still open podcasting studios at the Post and Courier building in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. If you enjoy listening to The Winnow, help other listeners find us too. Just go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you access your podcasts and like us or leave a rating. The Winnow is a production of Post and Courier and Palmetto New Media. Our producer today was the divy J. Marie Parker. Our theme music is by the Bluestone Ramblers.
0: Until next time, I'm Robert Moss. And I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat.